I'm with Firewind. You're listening to Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Thank you, Gus. Gus G. Rest of the guys. Hey, man. Right, man. This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Hi everybody, it's me, Dr. Fuck from Thrasher Die Combat and Ripjaw, and with me this week, as always, yeah, it's Ian Wadley from New Orleans, drinking that Rolling Rock. You know what I bought, Ian? I bought Blue Moon. What do you think of that beer? Um, it's not bad. That's the one everybody drinks with the orange peels in it and shit. Uh, that's a big thing at the bars. Everybody puts an orange peel in it. Not a bad beer. I've never had it. Pricey for me. I've never had it. Uh, I have a girl coming from Jacksonville to stay with me for a couple days. We're going to go see Zach Wilde this Friday. Nice. So I said, hey, uh, you know, since she's driving all the way down here tomorrow, I'm sure she's going to be thirsty for not only my cum, but maybe, you know, what alcoholic beverage you like? And she said, Blue Moon. So I bought a 12-pack of Blue Moon. Uh, word of advice, she's a chick. I would get a couple of oranges for her. If she likes that, every chick wants the orange in it. You know, just to show you're a classy dude. You know? Well, she's a classy chick. I think she'd rather have my cum than oh, the orange. Okay. I only date classy chicks. Classy cum, slut, rag, dumpsters. All those other ones that are like, oh, please, oh, pre-cum. You know, those are very rude girls. That's like that's like marriage material chicks, too. <laughs> so, Ian, what's going on, man? Do we have anything interesting to talk about this week? Oh, fuck, do we? Gotta say, man, overwhelming... Uh... Response to my show, Wadzilla Rocks, this Saturday. Oh, really? Oh, fuck. I'm yes. jealous. Oh, it, it was it was amazing. Scott Green said it was the biggest show ever in the history of that metal station. Oh, no shit, even more than mine. He actually, he asked, me, he asked me if he could change the title to that Ian station, and I said, no, that's that's pompous. I can't do that. Are, are, you, are you being honest? Because I think Scott Green, like... Playing as both as puppets. Uh, no, it, it did very good, man. We had a but lot. But it of... was better than mine. Well, I don't know. That's a matter of opinion. No, no, not better as in quality, but more people. Oh yeah, he said it was like Live Aid, only less people. Okay, this is what he told me. Now we're gonna put Scott out in the open. He told me that he had to pay a hundred and fifty dollars because my show brings in too many people. Yeah. What a wow. what a prick! Well, I he, think you I think you and I should quit. He, he, he well he got a bargain because he said he had to pay three hundred to buy shit. There were so many people. Uh, no, he, he needs three hundred to get you that program shit. Yeah, well no, that's the first three hundred. That's well, why. There you go, Ian Wadley. Uh, Ian, the Wadzilla show is more popular than the Doctor Fuck show. Who would have thunk that? Want to tell everybody if you want to keep hearing it. We need to sell just a few more of these shirts. Now, we have two shirts to sell. And here's the thing. I have Windows 8, which means Scott has to get a whole new program. I mean, Windows 10. He has to get a whole new program for Sam that does all the DJing to accommodate my shit. So what we want to do, we're doing a little, you know, crowdfunding thing where we're selling T-shirts and a percentage of that goes to buy this program. Uh, you, You have your choice now because some people objected to the first one, which is a rock and metal combat podcast T-shirt. 
that has our logo, but it also has the F word on there and a little jab at Terrence. And some people said, well, I can't wear that around. So Scott Green accommodated because he designed both the T-shirts. And uh, <coughs> he came up with one that's just, uh, you know, the Wadzilla Rock Show. And that one's been selling great, man. We're doing good. We still need to sell a little bit more. By the time you There's hear a this, shirt for the Wadzilla Rock Show? Yeah. Well, haven't I seen this? I'll buy one. All right, well, you need to come on the page more often. It was oh, up, I, I, I don't like the Rock and Metal Combat podcast page. Yeah, I Sorry. know. Yeah. I think that page is full of a bunch of drama queens. Little yeah. faggy boys. Yeah, well, faggy boys, we got All a right. shirt for you. Yeah, send me a link, dude. I'll definitely buy a Wadzilla shirt. And wear it proudly. Why, thank you. And uh, for all you other faggots on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast page, buy one. Damn it. Yeah, uh, come on, support your boy. Yeah, and uh, you know, and like I said, we're just doing this to pay for this program. We're not pocketing in anything. Now, we have a new Amazon link. So if you have the old one bookmarked, everybody's asking me about the new one. Just delete your old Amazon bookmark. Whatever you saved on your computer every time you go on Amazon, go on the Podbean page. There's like a little flashing Amazon now. I got in trouble for the last one we had up wasn't official. Amazon yelled at me about that. So now there's a new flashing one. Click on that. Did they yell at you like they sent you uh, an email with caps, all caps? Yes, yes, and they shamed me. Okay. Uh, But, uh, so you you go on that, then you bookmark that. So from that point on, once you bookmark that, every time you go on and you use the Amazon link, it automatically goes towards the show. And again, you pay nothing extra for that. And the great Michael J. Fox or Michael W. Howard, whatever the fuck your name is, C. Thomas Howell, uh, he bought a Friday the 13th the TV show box set. I did see that show, but he let me know what he got, so I knew it was him. It doesn't give me names, but I do see what people buy. So make sure you use the new one. Now, I have... I gotta gotta tell you something, just so you know. uh, All that gay porn, that was me. Oh, okay. Good, Good to know. Man, I'm sure, I'm sure you were thinking it was Justin, not with me. Yeah, yeah. No, no, because it was a, it was DVD and not Betamax. That fucker's got a Betamax. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing, we got a lot of fans like in Canada and Kathmandu and Saskatchewan and wherever the fuck you are wanting to know if you can use the link. Um, here's the thing. Let's test it out. Different shit. I heard some, the old one you couldn't, the new one you can if you live outside the continental United States, just try it. Order a CD that you're not ashamed of and send me a message. Say, hey, I bought so-and-so. And uh, if it shows up, then I know it works outside of the U.S. And uh, if it doesn't, I don't know what to tell you. Some, I, I know some people like any trunk has one that, that's global, but maybe you got to be bigger for that. I don't know. You could get the new Thrasher Diet Melting Your Skull on Amazon. All around the world. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, I'm tr- pretty sure James Gilman from Australia bought one. But, you know, I, I know there's a lot of listeners from Australia and everywhere else outside. Buy that. There you go. Uh, if you want Ralph to guest on your podcast, James Gilman, buy another copy, even if you already have one. <laughs> By the way, James Gilman's going to try to get us booked in Australia. And I said that I'll get him in as a legal guardian because he was like, well, most places are 18 and over. I said, don't worry, I'll get you in. I can act like a legal guardian. I can act like a responsible adult. Trust me, it's it's, it's hard, but I can do it. I'm, I'm like fucking De Niro when it comes to that shit. He's not even 18? No, James Gilman's not 18. Oh, shit. Which just, oh. just goes to show, I mean, 
I attract the little kids. <laughs> lucky, lucky for them, I'm no pedo. <laughs> Your milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. That's right. All right. Let's go to the news, shall we? Yeah. I, right. I, oh, I, oh, can I start off the news? Because this is huge news. Okay. This is something that's very unexpected that nobody would have thought of. This past Saturday, the Wadzilla show over eclipsed the Dr. Fuck show to be the number one show on that metal station. Ralph. Yeah. You got some jealousy on your face right here. Oh, yeah. I'm fucking right human. <laughs> Come on. You're bigger than that, bro. You're bigger than that. Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm happy for you, bro. I, I, I honestly don't believe you, but, you know. I'm Thank you. Thank you. I'm I just agree. trying to piss off your fans. Yeah, you're right. Your your 15-year-old fans can beat up my 15-year-old fans. <laughs> no, your fans are way older. More immature, but way older. All right. Who are we kidding? I don't have any fans. Everybody's here for Ralph. Hey, everybody's here for Ralph. Say it. Everybody's here for Ralph. Nobody, no, but everybody's here for both of us. A lot of people like you, watch. No! Including me. I like you a lot, dude. Or else oh. I wouldn't be here. I, you piss me off a lot. I got to tell you that. You really do upset me a lot, but but I love you, man. I don't know. I have some unconditional love, but I don't know how long that's going to last. <laughs> Keep goofing on me, asshole. Keep goofing on me. Oh. Laugh it up, funny boy. Don't Come worry. Get, get that, what is it called? That, that, that recording program? What's it called again? Uh, Audacity? Yeah, get Audacity so you can learn how to edit. You will learn. You will need to know how to edit. Once I fucking heave ho and leave this dog dog and funny show and start my own show, the the Ralph and Brody show. So tune in next week to the Ralph and Brody show. No, no, no. You can tune in here to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast where I'm going to start my own the Rock, the Ralph and Brody Rock Cox show. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, ask Terrence how that works out. Yeah, I'm gonna have Terrence and Mark Taylor. We're gonna school your ass. Hey, a lot of people got eclipsed this week in the news. You know, you could have been worse. You could have been Paul McCartney. Oh man, that was really bad. He was denied access to a VIP Grammy party thrown by, is it Tyga or Tiga? Who the fuck knows? Anyway, they wouldn't let his old ass in because they didn't know who the fuck Paul McCartney was. And Paul McCartney joked, he goes, maybe I need a few more hits. And then they'll let me in here. Hey, hey. <laughs> he's a funny guy, that Paul McCartney. Wow, that's just, uh, that's mind-blowing. Now, this guy backtracks said he had no idea that Paul McCartney was there. It wasn't his fault. It was it was the bouncer's fault or the bodyguard's fault. But, man, who the fuck is your bodyguard or your bouncer or your doorman doesn't know who the fuck Paul McCartney is? All right, well, speaking of the Grammys... Alice Cooper got up and performed with his Hollywood vampires with Johnny yeah. Depp and uh, and Joe Perry and Matt Sorum and Duff McKagan. You say, eh, you, you didn't uh, approve of their performance? I watched it. I didn't like it. I didn't like their their uh, rendition of Ace of Spades. But I got to admit, I loved that that was a big picture of Lemmy behind them. That made me happy. Well, in other Grammy news, Ghost got the award for the metal performance of the year. But you didn't see it on the Grammys because this year and for many years, they do not televise the the giving away of the metal performance Grammy. 
Uh, that is done pre-Grammy show and to a half-filled audience. It used to be the opposite. It used to be rap. They didn't show televised. And then there was all this shit about, oh, the Grammys are racist because they don't televise the rap shit. And then when rap got bigger than fucking metal, it switched the other way. But, you know, you don't see anybody protesting because they're not showing the metal guys on TV. It didn't help that uh, before every Grammy show there were drive-bys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, still metal gets no respect. It's kind of uh, clueless. I, I did like, though, that Ghost won it. But really, I mean, what the, what does the fucking Grammy mean? I mean, it's really, it's really meaningless, and, that, and that's it's sad to say, but it, it really doesn't mean shit. I watched. Look, I heard people. Oh, they did a tribute to Lemmy, and I was like, oh, really? Let me get on YouTube and watch it. But you know, I'm not gonna name names. But there's this one guy we both know. This guy is like on Facebook giving us blow by blow description of the Grammys, and then. He ends up saying how horrible the Grammys are. And I'm like, then why are you watching it? Seriously. This same guy cares about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And all, you know, people like that sick in me. Seriously. Why are you into metal? Why are you into rock? If you like bow down and watch this crap. And I'm talking to everybody listening right now. If you watch the Grammys. Alright, if you watch the Grammys and enjoyed it. I have no problem with you. But if you watch the Grammys and didn't like it. You're a masochist. You're worse than Ian. Because Ian doesn't watch it. I used to. I just didn't get around to watching it this year. I used to watch. You know what I used to watch? And it used to be good with the American Music Awards. Yeah. I, 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 do they even have those anymore? Yeah, they, they do. They have all the, all the same award shows that I used to watch every year. But the thing is, I hate everything they televise. Because they used to televise rock. And even back then... The pop music I liked, but I, I like none of the shit now. But the I American like, American Music Awards was voted by the fans, right? It wasn't like an industry shit, was it? Uh, they, they say voted on by the fans. I don't know. I It was maybe a little bit more of a popularity contest, but it's still, you know, it's not like any, like regular Joe Blows get a fucking ballad, you know? It's just like, hey, Lonnie down in accounting, he gets a vote, you know, instead of the fucking the guy who owns the record company. Why are we talking about the Grammys? Because it's the news. It's a slow news week, and oh, that's what oh, happened. and they mentioned Lemmy, yeah. So we got to give them that. And in the memoriam thing, they also showed uh, Gary Richrath from REO. Oh, which was cool. Well, and and a couple other people I can't remember at the moment. But no, no, they didn't show Filthy Animal. No. Bullshit. All righty. Well, uh, in some non-Grammy-related news, there's a new tour coming up that I'm sure you don't give a fuck about. Oh, of course. But uh, it's Slipknot, Marilyn Manson, and some band called A Mice and Men. I've never heard of them. But what I find interesting in that is you can kind of see a change into the guard here because this is a Slipknot headlining tour. And Manson's opening up. Now, Manson, I am a huge fan of. But this is something, it's kind of hard for me to swallow uh, as a, a fan of bands that I really like, them seeing seeing them open up for bands that they should be headlining over. Just like Anthrax was opened up for Bowlbeam. You know, it's like, what the fuck, Anthrax should be headlining that? Or, or uh, Alice Cooper opened up for Motley Crue. It should be the other way around. Does it ever, does it ever bother you when you think, like, the, the, the band that paid its dues 
is on the shit end of the stick? Yes, it does, Ian, but in this case, it makes me smile. Right, because you don't care about the bands. I don't, was like, a- I don't like Marilyn Manson, never liked them. And I go, right. and I knew Marilyn Manson before any of you fucking fans knew them. Because I was, oh yeah, look at Ralph acting cool. I know, I knew Marilyn Manson when it was Marilyn Manson and the Spooky Kids. Saw him at Churchill's where uh, he didn't even have a drummer yet. And I thought they were, they were even worse back then than they are now, believe it or not. It was all circus music type shit. I can't stand Marilyn Manson, I just can't. The pretentious squad. Hey, talk uh, about that guy that wishing death on him. That's a good story. Oh, the old keyboard player. <laughs> yeah, John Wayne Gacy, whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah, Madonna Wayne Gacy. Yeah. <laughs> Madonna Wayne Gacy. How stupid is that? Oh, God. Check out a Boogalard with Gordy on guitar. Gordy White, who is now Twiggy Ramirez. You want to listen to some real fucking metal? Listen to Boogalard. Picture perfect. Now that's fucking music. Thank you. All righty. But now, uh, let me ask you this. Do you know of another case where you felt a band that deserved to be headlining was opening up? Can you, uh, can you give an example? Metall- Metallica opening for Guns N' Roses in 91. There you go. How's that? Okay. Metallica was around before. What's the difference? Right. But no, but I see, I mean, does it kind of like, kind of rub you the wrong way as a band? Like, this yes, is Yes, yes, okay. yes, Ian. I saw, I saw Anthrax. Open for the Misfits in 90... What year was Stomp 442? That year. 94, I think. 94, I saw them opening for... You know, the Misfits first got back together. It was the Misfits, Anthrax, and Cannibal Corpse. <clears throat> and, and and I like the Misfits, but I still thought it was kind of like, dude, this ain't Glenn Danzig. Why is Anthrax opening? All right, next story. Judas Priest has put out a new Blu-ray DVD CD from their latest tour called Battle Cry. And uh, I like the set list on this one, man. Uh, got a good mix of, you know, stuff off uh, Redeemer's Souls, which we both enjoyed. And uh, got some good classics on it, too, man. <coughs> I'm definitely going to check it out. Did, did you uh, see the story about this Yes, album? yes, and what I really enjoyed was, you know, I saw the tour. So basically it's the same set list I saw, but the bonus tracks are not yeah. the I saw. Desert Plains... Yes. That's the main one. I can't remember the other one. The other one was good, too, whatever it was. But I saw Desert Plains. I was like, yeah. Um, oh, I got a little news. I don't know if you see, saw this. K.K. Downey finally said something to the reason why he left Judas Priest. Did you see this? Yeah, I saw it, but I, I don't remember when I read it anything no. that I, that I no. haven't heard yet. Well, here's the thing. If you read it, you wouldn't have known. But if you listened to the interview, they don't ah. mention it in the story. He does mention one thing. He does say in the interview, he left for many, many, many reasons. That's what the the article said. KK left for many, many reasons. And he said some good, some really bad. You know, some wasn't a big deal, but some was a big, big deal. But the one thing that he did say was one of the reasons, one of the many reasons he left Judas Priest was because when they came off the Nostradamus thing, or I mean, I think it was... No, uh, the British Steel thing. Uh, he was tired. He was just tired. And when he walked off stage from Japan, he was just tired. And then when he went back home, they called him like a week later to start, hey, we, we need to start writing the next album. And what they wanted to do was an EP. Judas Priest wanted to record an EP, which is weird. Right. KK, I didn't see that. Yeah, and KK was like, you know, guys, I'm, I'm tired. And he actually declined and said, you know, I, I don't think... 
So that was one of the reasons. But then, like the other, all these other reasons we didn't discuss, pretty much sealed the fate. And uh, you know what, man, KK Downing, you gotta respect the man. He, you know, he said stuff like, "Wow, you know, it's it, it's pretty wild watching changes of seasons. I haven't seen that in 40 years. You know, in his homeland. You know, I think he's paid his dues. He's done it 40 somewhat years." And another thing I want to bring up, Ian, and I, I don't want to sound grim about this, but man, watching Judas Priest performances now, I don't think Glenn Tipton's doing that well. Have you noticed this? Uh, he's very stiff. He's, very stiff. He's, ne he's never been that stiff. He's always been kind of a stiff guy, but now he doesn't even move. And he seems kind of ill to me. I hope I'm wrong. But uh, he, he does seem, and I noticed that when I saw them live, it's just not the same Glenn Tipton, you know? I mean, it's pretty bad when you see Ian Hill moving more than you. <laughs> well, yeah, a few other things. Now, I don't know if you've heard these before, but I've heard discussed about KK's leaving. Um, I did hear had to do with management. Yes, with that was the initial reason. That, and that did come out. But they didn't get into specifics. Right. Now, part of that could have been by that, by management trying to force him into, uh, you know, doing an EP right away and stuff like that. But one thing, I saw this right after he left, and I don't see it mentioned in stories lately when they do it, but they said he took it very hard, the negative reaction to Nostradamus. Okay, uh, that, that he didn't mention in the interview. He actually praised the uh, album. Right, right. I, well, I didn't listen to the audio. I read it, but this is something I, I saw mentioned like when it first happened, and then you don't see it repeated because you, know, you see a KK story every couple months. That basically is a rehash. But initially... He said it was very disheartening because he's like, why am I even wasting my time writing new music when nobody gives a shit about a new Judas Priest album? And I believe he was very, you know, he had his heart and soul in Nostradamus and when so many fans just really didn't give a shit, he took that kind of personal too. Like, you know what, fuck it, I'm out. I'm out. So, and that's a shame because, you know, I myself am not a fan of that album, but I love Redeemer of Souls. You know, but I can kind of see his point. You know, some people say like, "Oh, nobody cares about new music," and a lot of times when older bands put out new music, it doesn't hold up to the old stuff. But I love it when they do because it shows me you still care. You're still trying, even if you don't get what you're you're you know reaching for. You're still trying. And I respect the fucking effort. But then you know, you look at somebody like KK, man. You, you can't help but respect the guy. You know, he's done it too long. Oh, and yeah. I, I gotta say, I am a big fan of Redeemer of Souls, and I am a purist. I want K.K. Downing and Judas Priest. When he left, I was totally against it. How can you have Judas Priest with K.K. Down, without K.K. Downing? But I have to admit, man, this Richie Foster guy is so good. And it's one of those rare exceptions where I can actually accept right. K.K. being gone, because this guy is so hungry and great, and he's kind of like, you know, K.K. 2.0, whatever. Even though I still would prefer... Uh, KK uh, on the on stage with Judas Priest. I am a hundred percent behind Judas Priest with Richie Faulkner. Oh, oh yeah, and 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 Faulkner. I love that he contributes. He writes. He wants. Just he's not Gilby Clark. You know what I mean? He's he's writing it. He wants to do it. And I also love that KK takes the high road. You don't see KK trashing judas priest and saying don't go see judas priest he's like no go see judas priest because i'm happy they're still playing and i respect that he's totally taking that well, kk's always been a class act if you think about it always 
Yes. All right. Well, next story. Here's an album I'm very excited about. Is the new Mick Mars solo album. Oh, my God. I saw that clip. It's, it reminded me so much of uh, Motley Crue 94. Yeah. Did you did you listen to both clips? or just No, one? no. I only saw one. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, if, if you go back to that story, they have two separate songs that they give little clips of, and they were both killer. Uh, is the other one like Motley Crue 94? Yeah. I mean, it just sounds... You hear you hear Mick Mars just being Mick like being something you don't really know. What is Mick Mars without Nikki Six's shitty ratty? <laughs> you know, I, I just it frees him up. And Mick really loved loved the Karabi era, and he said he really enjoyed playing with another guitar player because he said it freed him up to do so much stuff. Well, if you think about it, since Motley Crue '94, Mick Mars hasn't been able to express himself. He totally slams uh, Generation Swine. Right. Uh, uh, what was it? Ta- new Tattoo? I think he did have some input there, but come on. Uh, hey, was, but I, I, I like New Tattoo better than fucking Generation Swine. I did as well, but I don't like that album. That shows you how much I don't like Generation Swine. Right. right. And then the last one has to be by far. I, I like Generation Swine more than Saints of Los Angeles. That right, but, but complete let, let, crap. Let, let's call uh, Saints of Los Angeles what it is. That's a 6 a.m. record with Vince Neil singing. Yeah, that's not even Mick Mars on guitar, right? Well, no, I, I believe Mick, Mick plays on it, but, every, you know, uh, the album was produced by the guy from 6 a.m. All, all the songs were co-written was the writing team of 6 a.m. You know, it was. It was a 6 a.m. record with Vince singing and uh, oh. Tommy Tommy and Mick on it. So this thing is called 1313, right? The, the band? Yeah, because that's the thing. He's got 1313 tattooed on his fucking knuckles. And uh, I mean, it just, I cannot wait for this. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to tell you, man, I'm very surprised because you always figured Mick Mars was going to do a boring ass blues album. That's yeah. what I figured, you know? Well, I, you know what? But I might like it because I just, I just want to hear pure Mick Mars. He's always been my favorite member of Motley Crue. Yeah, but my, Mick Mars even came out and said the best Motley Crue album is MC94. He said it. Oh yeah. So so if he he thinks that, then his art is on that album. And dude, honestly, I recently, well maybe like two months ago, I'm walking around listening to that album, and you know what? I have to agree with him. Forever Shot was my favorite, but I will say that new album. I mean, not uh, MC94. I will give it. I don't know if you ever saw that naked picture of Nikki Six. But the length of Nikki Six's dick, I'll put it. I'll put MC ninety four above uh, Shot Devil, so you know there's not that much of a gap. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I still, I would have to take Shout, but probably a lot of that sentimental value. But uh, and and I love, you know, I still do have some issues with the production on uh, on ninety four. But man, I just. Man. Much and I better. think I think that's the greatest drum sound other than Creatures of the Night. Oh no no no! I and think I, and uh, Led Zeppelin album. No 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 no! I I love I love the drum sound on '94. But there's some other shit like too many songs I think have bells and whistles thrown in that they didn't necessarily need. You know, once again, it's too gussied up. But uh, no, the drums sound amazing on fucking '94. I by far the best Tommy Lee drum sound ever, ever. Yeah, and oh, but and oh, well, dude, I hate Doctor Feelgood, but the drum sound on that's pretty awesome too. But I don't know, man. I, I think that '94 album, there's not a clunker on it, man. 
All right. Well, our last story plays in very well with this week's uh, topic. That's Lita Ford has come out and said that uh, Tony Iommi loved his coke, couldn't get it up, and uh, liked to smack her around a little. Yeah. Uh, you read you read this story, right? I sure did, and I'm not doubting the woman, but you know, it, it does disappoint me that you know Ian uh, that Tony Iommi would beat like what was a fine piece of ass. I still think she's beautiful. I saw her not the other. I saw her like a couple months ago for a free show. Oh man, I'd hit that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I saw her last year, and she was looked amazing, sounded amazing. But uh, you know, you hear all kinds of crazy shit. You say you heard she beats her kids. I heard it was the husband that manipulated the children. There's all kinds of vice versa stories. That's it, man. Let's get into this awesome album we have. What the hell about. we reviewing? I don't even know. The Humanizer. The Humanizer. This is an old one. All right, let's go. All right, Dehumanizer, Black Sabbath's 16th album. Am I right? Yes, yes, sir. Fuck yeah, man. Oh, my God, what an album this one is. Now, before we get into the album, and before we get into some backstory on the album, I got to tell you, until this album, Black Sabbath Dio did no wrong. This album, there's a couple wrongs on it, I got to admit. Not a lot of people will agree with me, but this album, I feel, is too long. It should have been shaved down a bit and be the same length as Heaven and Hell Mob Rules. And I think it would have been an outstanding album if three tracks were excluded from it. But one of those three tracks is a fan favorite song. No shit. Two of the three tracks is a fan favorite. And those two of the three tracks were played live, where songs that I love way more weren't. But we'll get into that later. But when, other than those three songs, this album is great, as good as what came before. I mean, I wouldn't say as good, but up to par, up to the standards of Black Sabbath with Ronnie James Dio. And uh, I saw the tour. I'll talk more about it. Uh, first time I, I heard this album, this was pre-internet. So I went out and bought the Wayne's World CD because I read in Metal Maniacs or something that brand new Black Sabbath song with Dio, a preview of De Dehumanizer, will be on the Wayne's World soundtrack. So I went out and bought the soundtrack, which I still have on CD, which contains the song uh, Time Machine, which is a different mix just like what they did with Mob Rules. Mob Rules was on the heavy metal soundtrack before it came, before that Mob Rules album came out, and it's also a different mix. I could be wrong, but I even think the heavy, uh, the heavy metal version is actually the Mob Rules demo. Correct. It is, right? Yes. So this was the same deal. I ran out and I heard uh, Time Machine, and you know, I mean, I'll give a spoiler, whatever the fuck. It doesn't matter. I heard it, and I was like, oh, no. I hope it's the album's better than this song. So that's one of the three that I don't like. And it's a fan favorite. I know a lot of you out there like it. And, uh, yeah, anyway, so I was kind of bummed. But then when the album came out, I, I sure did change my tune. So that's my, uh, my intro to Dehumanizer by Black Sabbath.
All right, well, mine's kind of, you know, much the same. You know, heard it on Wayne's World first and was excited for Dio to come back uh, because I think Sam, you know, by that point, had really lost their way. They released a bunch, in my opinion, subpar albums that do not deserve the title Black Sabbath. I think this is definitely the best since Born Again. Dude, dude, you know? dude, I know we're on video. You can look at me and shit. Just excuse me. There is a booger really messing with me. So if you want to continue saying your review without being obstructed, don't look at your screen, because I'm going to have my finger way up my nose now. Go ahead. All right. There you go. Pick a winner. Ah, winner, winner, chicken dinner. I can't get it. You got snot on your finger. You just pushed it back in. No, oh, no, no. Fucking... Oh, man. I think it's going uh, the other one. I think it went up the other nostril, dude. The fuck? Oh. Uh. <laughs> I really need to stop fucking sniffing kitty litter. Go uh, ahead. Well, and while you're at it, push that hemorrhoid back in. <laughs> hey, wait. Hey, not to get off the subject. <laughs> now that you bring up hemorrhoid, and we are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, where you bring up just one little subject and we'll get off the album for a second. There was a time I had a hemorrhoid. It was so huge that it actually popped. That's how bad it was. I've never had, a, I've had two hemorrhoids in my life. The first one, I was much younger and I thought, oh man, this is fucked up, I don't like it. The second one I got was about three, four years ago, right? And there's this girl I used to see, you know, here and there, and I invited her over one night and I made the mistake of telling her, I have a really bad hemorrhoid. Cause I was even walking funny, that's how big this hemorrhoid was. So we're in bed and she brought over, what's that movie with, uh, uh, Lloyd Bridges, whatever, the dude. Um, he played the dude. That movie, the dude. That's not Lloyd Bridges, that's Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Big, Big Lebowski. Big, yeah, she brought that movie over. I already saw it, but I watched it again. You know, I'm trying to get a little fucking clothes clothes, and she's pushing me away. I'm like, what the fuck? She ends up blue-balling me and leaving, and then she tells my friend later on, I really was horny that night, but Ralph told me he had this big hemorrhoid. And I was so turned off, I left. That's the problem with being honest. So anyway, back to Black Sabbath Dehumanizer. Wow. Uh, in case any fans are curious, uh, I had a hemorrhoid one time. And if you want to hear about it, uh, it's episode 20. I fire him on the Iron Maiden episode. Anyway. That was uh, good. That was good. You know, I, I'm anti those type of jokes, but that was a good one. Well, thank you. Uh, so, so, anyway, so, so your hemorrhoid had no hair. Yeah, no hair. It was, <laughs> yeah, no balls either. It didn't even have its own opinion. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it talked like me, didn't it? Yeah, it sounded just like you. Uh, anyway, back to Black Sabbath. I don't even know where the fuck I was at, but uh, yeah, uh, Wayne's World. That's where I first heard it. That uh, that hemorrhoid gave you recon on your ass. Hoo-ah! Uh Anyway, so yeah. Yeah, uh, back, back to Good Sabbath, because I, I thought that all the shit after Born Again was very subpar. Are you nuts? Yeah, I mean, don't, there's good songs on every album, but to call that shit Black Sabbath is, is uh, an hypocrisy. Uh, I'm just, I, I was just pretending to be somebody. I, mean, I was just pretending to be somebody that can't handle people's opinions unlike mine. That was. Yeah. A, do you like that one? It was good. Are you nuts? <laughs> And you better not hate it, you son of a bitch. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy? I don't know. Anyway, it sucked. Uh, should have been called Black Sabbath. They get back on track with this, but uh, there's an amazing history to this album. And I mean, do we want to talk about it now or at the end of the album? Uh, we can talk about it during now, uh, or you know, if we get into hemorrhoids again, we can do it after that. <laughs> All right, but uh, to quote Black Sabbath, it was a hard road to get this album fucking done, and I, I think it came out of necessity on both ends. Dio's career was kind of fading at this point, uh, you know, after uh, Sacred Heart. You know, Dream Evil did so-so. Lock Up the Wolves did even worse. I mean, don't even get me started on how bad Black Sabbath was doing. I mean, if you want to see them on tour, you better go to Budapest and see them in a small fucking club because, yeah. I mean, they, they were doing nothing. You, you know, I, I mean, it was almost like uh, Star Wars Force Awakens, you know, where Han Solo's like, you know, talks about Sabbath like nobody believes it. Like, yes, they used to be huge. It's all true. You know, but at that time... They couldn't do shit in America, but I mean, you gotta look at what was going on in America at that time. It was all cock rock, and it, shit had totally changed, and there wasn't a lot of traditional metal, especially in America, more, more so in America. But, uh, you know, Ozzy was definitely more popular than Sabbath was at that point. But to get them to come together, I think it was out of necessity of both, and that's why this suffers. I don't know if it was a true, like, Hey, we want to do this. I think it was more of like we have to do this, <laughs> or, or nobody's gonna do nothing. But uh, I, I love it. It's a flawed album. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things I would change. I don't think it's up to par with the first two, but com compared to fucking the devil, you know, I, I think it's fucking incredible. I was really disappointed with that one. Still am. But uh, I love it. Let's uh, start off with the title track. And that is Computer God. Ralph, what do you think of Computer God? Amazing. What a great, great song. Great opener? Nah, I don't know about that. But it's a great fucking song. Kind of uh, futuristic because if you think about it, he's talking about like the computer like taking over. You know, mankind. You know, and making shit worse. And Dio kind of like, he foresaw the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Correct. He saw what, what we were going to unleash on the planet and wrote a song about it. True. You know, I heard he saw that vision in the crystal ball when he was doing the Rock and Roll Children video. True story. <laughs> so, uh, oh my God. It's thunderous. Vinny Peace is a great drummer, but I really do feel like he he's a little too held back. He's thunderous and everything, and he plays well on this song. But if you listen to Dio, like we rock and, you know, straight through the heart and shit like that, he's more adventurous where in Sabbath he's more in the pocket, but I guess it benefits the song. What I love so much about Computer God, it's new. It doesn't sound like... Just like the Humanizer as a whole. I can tell you maybe one song, one maybe two songs on here that is reminiscent of the first two Sabbath albums with them, with Dio, but this one's all. It's just, it's got a futuristic feel. It does look like the album cover. This song was supposed to be called The Humanizer. And uh, because there were extra lyrics to this song, 
but they scrapped it and uh, called the computer god. But I love this song. It's so heavy. And then that one little mellow section, which is kind of like Children of the Sea-ish. You know, what you believe is fantasy. Your past is your future. All that shit is so... Uh, will you surrender? Ah! Fuck yeah, man. This song rules. And yes, when I saw him live, this was the second track they played live right after Mob Rules. They opened the show with Mob Rules. Uh, what do you think of uh, Computer God? All right. I think you brought up some very good points about this song I'd like to talk about. And one is Vinny Apice. And I think he's... He is one of the few things that I think sounds really good on this album. I do like his drumming on this, but to get to the backstory for people who don't know, this was originally supposed to have Cozy Powell, who was the drummer at the time. Well, at least you know how to pronounce Cozy Powell's name right. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, uh, say, say Vinny's name again. Apathy? No. No. Peace? No. Vinny and Peachy? No. Applesauce, Vinny App, Applesauce. Applesauce. Now you got there, it right. There you go. Anyway, so originally it was going to be Cozy Powell, who was the drummer at the time, was very close with Tony, and was part of the resurgent, you know, if you will, with the, the Heaven and Hell and the Tear album. But he had uh, this horse accident, and that also coincided with, like, Ronnie wasn't sure about uh, Cozy. He played with them in, in Rainbow. They had had their differences, and you know, Ronnie's opinion was he wasn't the right drummer for it. And I will say this. I agree. Cozy has done some amazing drumming. I mean, Jesus Christ, you listen to what he did with Rainbow. To me, that's the best drumming Cozy has ever done. But to me, his drumming in Black Sabbath was very pedestrian. And that could have something to do with Tony Iommi. Tony Iommi is notoriously hard and indifferent with drummers. I mean, if you look at the history of the band... Well, that goes to show how drugs are good. Because they were doing those killer drugs in the 70s that the drumming, kind of like he lost focus because of the drugs, and the good drumming came in without him noticing because he was snowblind. Oh, I, I, I agree. The only drummer for Black Sabbath is Bill Ward. And that's, you know, that's what makes that whole 70s sound to me. I mean, just as much as the great riffage. And, I mean, every you know, 70s Black Sabbath is equal all four of them contributing awesomely you know again, why those albums in the 70s were perfect though go because, ahead cut me off no no i just have this is something that's very important Ian. and okay. you're gonna agree this is something to cut you off about the reason all sabbath albums in the 70s were so flawless because not once in the 70s did any member of black sabbath have a hemorrhoid true story thank that, you now yeah. are you happy i cut you off or what yeah, that was important. Thank you. Uh, all right. So anyway, uh, they they had the differences about it, but I guess they were going to go ahead with Cozy, but then he had the accident with the horse, which don't ride fucking horses. Look at Christopher Reed. Look at Cozy Powell. All right? You're not a fucking cowboy. Don't ride a horse. You know, this is the future. Get a car, bitch. Anyway, well, unless you're Cozy because he died in a fucking car. Cozy should just walk. <laughs> You know, but uh why am I laughing? I love Cozy. Stop make, stop making me laugh, you morbid bastard. Funny is funny. Comedy's not pretty, goddammit. Neither are hemorrhoids. No. 
But any, <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially when they're shaved. Uh, anyway, so then after the shit happened with Cozy, Dio wanted to get, this is something I just learned recently, he wanted to get his then drummer Simon Wright to play on the album. Oh my god! Yeah, and, and Tony said no fucking way, which thank god. Because, hey, Simon Wright might be the nicest guy in the world, but to me, he is, oh my god, he makes Bobby Blotzer look like John Bonham. You know, you know, I, I, I just uh, Simon Wright does nothing for me. Sorry, I'm sure you're. No, 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 no. Nah, Simon's a good drummer, but for Sabbath, nah, bro. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, no. So it was Tony who said, "Well, let's get Vinny back." Who, you know, Vinny had left the Dio band, and to this day, I still don't know the full story. I know a lot of people in the band were upset when Vivian left. They didn't like Greg Goldie. But I've never heard the real story on why Vinny left Dio because Vinny was like his right-hand man. That was like peanut butter and jelly there. Once they met, I mean, they were together. But uh, against Dio's wishes, they brought Vinny back. But I think some of your issues with the drumming may be because it was initially started with Cozy, and it might have been where they told Vinny to just uh, duplicate what... Cozy had done in the demos to that point because I know when they did The Devil You Know they wrote all of that with a drum machine and then brought Vinny in at the last minute and said play this and he was very upset about that and it makes sense when you listen to the album because it's so pedestrian and uh, yeah he wasn't happy with it and I agree I mean let the guy do his thing because I think he did a good job on Mob Rules and Live Evil but anyway so there's the issue with the drumming. You know, no, you know. Well, I'm sorry, Ian. I don't. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Because okay. seriously, I, I have nothing to say about hemorrhoids, so it ain't that important. So go on. All right. Uh, another thing you brought up was the album cover, which I think is horrible. Really? Yeah. Uh, not. I, I think it's horrible for a Black Sabbath album. This to me, it it looks like a German power metal band album cover, and for that it would be fine, but. To me, it looks very, very cheap and not Sabbath. I don't know. It's too cartoony and not dark enough. I mean, it, it's not as bad as Forbidden. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I think it, they could have used a straight. You know, it's not Sabbath either. You know, it's just, I'm like, eh, on the album cover. But oh, I, yeah. I, I get it. It's different. I think they were probably trying to save money. Uh, you know, because they were, they weren't on Warner Brothers anymore. Now they're on Reprise, which is a subsidiary of, of Warner's. And Dio was actually switched to Reprise as well. But, uh, you know, I think maybe it was a cost issue. And then you got the producer with this album, which I have issues with. And I think it was probably the record company said, hey, you know, we need to bring up, you know, you got to have an outside producer. But they go with Mac. Also, his real name is Reinhold Mack. But most most known for engineering. Did a lot of engineering in the 70s with Sabbath, with ELO. In the 80s, he did some really shitty Queen albums. And he did, and he's notorious for getting hemorrhoids. Yes. And Billy Squire. But I don't think that's the sound you need for this album. I'm, man, I wish they would have got it. Uh, Martin Birchback, because he did such an amazing job on the other Dio uh, era albums, and it was right about the time of his retirement, because I believe this came out the same year as Fear of the Dark, and that was, as far as I know, the last one that Martin Birch did, 
with Spear of the Dark. But I think they needed somebody of a little bit higher caliber that would say no and maybe tweak the songs a little bit. But I, I think the production is very muddy on this album. But in a way, it suits it because it's a heavy, dark album. But to me, there's not enough light and shade, which I thought made the, the first two Dio albums with Sabbath uh, so incredible. You know, you, you had moments of, of shine, and then you've, you had moments of, like, really, like, hard, heavy shit. And this one, kind of, like, everything sounds the same on it, in a way to me. And I think that hurts it, and it doesn't stand out as much as the other two. But let, let's get into the song I haven't even got on Computer God. A great album. You brought up a very good point, though. You said not necessarily a great opener. And I agree with that, because to me, this is more of an epic track. And should be either either end the album. Track or, four. Yeah, track four would have been great for this. But it's an amazing song. I mean, to hear traditional metal again in 1992. For those of you who weren't there, this album stuck out like a sore thumb in a good way. Because by then you had it was either cock rock, thrash, or grunge. You really didn't have much in the vein. A traditional metal which in a way died like I would say 84 85 is when traditional metal kind of went away and what a how refreshing it was to hear riffs like this again it wasn't happy cock rock riffs uh, you know it wasn't you know self-pity grunge and it wasn't thrash it was traditional metal and computer God is a great track but uh, you like, that's something I'm glad you said because you're right this probably isn't the best opener but it is an amazing track and now you hear that it's, it sounds like Sabbath again it doesn't sound like fucking Tear which to me sounds nothing like fucking Sabbath uh, this sounds like Black Sabbath but then again you got Geezer Butler playing bass you know and, and this is one that Geezer brought in he had some lyrics for it and uh, Ronnie had some lyrics for it too and they ironed it out an amazing track. I saw this tour as well. And when they played this live, dude, it, it was amazing. Great track. So then now we go into the next one. Well, can, After... can, I, can I say something before we get into the next one? Uh, about then, a hemorrhoid? No. And I, then I'll let you go into the next one. Right. Um, two, two things I want to talk about. Geezer did write lyrics on this album. Now, I'm not sure of this or not, but... Has Dio ever released an album where other people wrote lyrics? Because as far as I know, I think this may be the first one. I, I believe this is the first and only one. I really do. Because I, re yeah, I remember Geezer was very, very like relaxed when Ronnie came in that he didn't have to write lyrics anymore. Right, right. No, uh, on Heaven and Hell, Mob Rules, Tony, I mean, uh, Dio did all the lyrics. But there, there's two songs that Geezer brought in, this and uh, another one we'll get into. And these are the only times I believe that he ever sang, you know, other than in a live setting where he did a cover, that he did a studio album with other people's lyrics. But uh, okay. great, great yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Like Kev, uh, uh, Livgren from Kansas. Uh, another thing I want to talk about is what you were talking about, production. You know, uh, I found out the other day there's this website, Ryan Taylor, the great Ryan Taylor from yes. Fresh or Die, uh, was telling me that he's, he's he can't see the colors green and red. He's colorblind. And there's a website 
where you can go to where it shows like a round like a circle with a bunch of little uh, circles in the circle and I'm looking at it and I see a number nine in red where the rest of it is gray and he's telling me he doesn't see no red all he sees is gray and then he showed a couple other ones right and he couldn't see shit then he showed one where he did see like a number four I couldn't see shit I was like whoa bro I guess I'm a little colorblind too I can't remember exactly what the what the color was and the reason I'm bringing this up is because oh, I know. you know why I'm bringing it up because of the yeah. production I really don't have for I, I, I guess I brought this up on a previous episode and I gotta bring it up again I don't understand production what is bad production what is good production the only one I can blatantly tell you sounds shitty is Blizzard of Oz you know, I listen to that album and I'm like, I don't like the production of this album because it sounds muddy, right? Am I right? Because you're, you, you know, you're like the rest of the fucking human race. Does right. does Blizzard of Oz sound muddy to you? It does, but I like it. But I can't tell it is a primitive production, but yes. It sounds poor. Considering like, okay, came out same time as Heaven and Hell. Heaven and Hell sounds amazing. Do you think? Yes. Oh, yes. But what, I, what I'll say when it comes to that is, you know, certain music, I think, lends itself to better production, to more, like, perfection, almost, if you would. Like, a Pink Floyd album should sound perfect. Everything should be very articulate and separate. A Beatles album should have pristine production. But to me, rock, and specifically heavy kind of like, it should have a garage sound to it. And we, we can do two albums by the same producer. Okay, let's talk about Martin Birch. Okay, think, think to yourself how peace of mind sounds. Okay, hear it, hear it in your head. You hear how it sounds. And then think of uh, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Same producer, but Seventh Son sounds so clean and so just like shine. Like somebody took some Windex all over it and everything sparkles, but it doesn't have that dirtiness that peace of mind has. And and that's what I'm getting at with this, is it just sounds too too good, for lack of a better word, too clean, where I want more grit, I want more sweat. I don't want it perfect. I want it to sound raw and angry. I don't want it to sound like a Celine Dion album, you know? And that's, you know, where people like Bob Rock it has done some albums that I like and a lot of albums I don't like, but it's too fucking crystal clear. This isn't dance music. This is heavy metal. Yeah, I want some dirt. I want some grit. And and, and to me, this one is just kind of like flatline. Like everything sounds the same to me. Regardless of the song structure, it all has the same sound where, you know, uh, Mob Rules in Heaven and Hell... There was way more light and shade and, and way more interesting stuff as far as the production value to me happened on those albums. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. No, it does. I'm just saying I suffer from not able to notice, to, to catch on to it because the way I hear things, look, I see it constantly online. Oh, I hate the mix. I hate this. I hate that. The albums I absolutely love and I have no problem with the sound of it. 
But I, I, I realize that I must have some kind of like, you know, uh, tone deaf. I don't know what the word is for it. Some kind of hearing problem because all these albums that get, and I hear it a lot from you when we do reviews. Oh, I hate the sound of this. And oh, I love the sound of that. And I'm like, yeah, I love the sound of that. Like, I love the sound of what you don't like. So Dehumanizer to me, I can't tell you that, like, okay, great example. What you just said about Peace of Mind and Seventh Son, I don't know. I can't hear the difference. I really can't. I can tell you, I can tell you the songs, you know, sound different to me. You know, and they, you know, they, the, the Peace of Mind appeals more to me. But as far as the sound of both of them sonically, eh. And I'm a huge fan of the sound of the first Maiden album. And this is universally hated even by the band. Like, oh, yeah. Steve Harris hates it. But I, I look at the first Iron Maiden album the same way I look at Blizzard of Oz. It is a raw production, but I like it. Oh, but but I don't I, 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 I don't think it sounds anything. I think I think the first Maiden album sounds awesome. It's got a great sonic sound. I love it. I but everybody else not everybody else, I'm sure there's a few out there that do agree with me, you know. Because you want to be like countercultural and cool, but that's not my thing, man. I'm fucking deaf. I, I really can't tell the difference. Like uh, uh, on through the night, Def Leppard hate that album. Oh, it sounds like shit. I love that fucking sound. I love the sound of that album. Yeah, to me, it sounds better than fucking Hysteria, which Hysteria sonically is perfect. But I don't want that. It sounds like a dance record. It sounds like Hysteria sounds like Taylor Dane to me. Yeah, I mean, again, hysteria. It's like these songs, man. I don't know. Maybe if the songs kicked ass with that production, I'd like it. I, what? What? Uh, Pyromania, right? Wouldn't Wouldn't you equate Pyromania with hysteria as far as like that flaw, that great production? No. Yes. Yes, and no. There's still a, a grittiness to Pyromania. Okay. That That, that I like. To, to, I mean, to me, the best sounding metal was like 1980 through 1985 just had this great sound. And then I would say 86 onward, just way too clean, way too polished. Well, I could tell you this. I, I enjoyed uh, traditional metal up to 84. And then Thrash took over for me after that. Right, but once again, Thrash had a very raw production. Yes. I, I mean, I mean, look at, uh, you know, look at fucking Ride the Lightning compared to the to the sound of the black album now and here's gonna, here's something you're gonna find crazy and i'm gonna say it. i'm not a fan of the black album i don't like the black album but sonically i think it's pretty good yeah see to me it, it's 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 just sterile it sounds I'm like not, heavy i like the drum sound so I'm not, I'm not a fan of the album I'm, I'm not saying it's bad what i'm saying is it's too good if that makes sense it's just too clean i right. want some I want some I want some aggression and when you shine it up too much when you when you like pro tool that shit so much you take every bit of passion and greediness out and it's just like what do you think of the production of the last Thrasher Die album? Love it. But it's it sounds it sounds raw to me. It doesn't sound crystal clear. It sounds like some guy's sweating it out in the studio doing fucking thrash and it's it sounds good without being sanitized. Right, you know, cool. cool. I, I, I I I'd like to know how my album sounds because <laughs> yeah. I don't again, know. But then again, I want my dick's clean. It's my hands that are dirty. You know, that's say that, me. 
Say that again because it froze. I said, I'm the kind of guy that washes his hands before he pisses, not after. Because my dick is clean. My hands are dirty. See, and me, I can't. I have such a small dick, I can't see it. That's why it doesn't matter if I hold it or not. See, that's the problem with fucking my, my, my fucking production value. Mine, I can't tell you what sounds good or not. Except for Blizzard of Oz. I, th I know there's another one, too, that I didn't like the sound of. You know what album I love the sound of? Fucking Born Again. Uh, I'm on, I'm on the fence on that one. I would rather be grittier than too clean, but it could have been better. Universally hated right. production. A lot of people love the album, but they didn't like the way it sounds. But, I mean, maybe you're the wrong person to ask, but could you imagine that material with Martin Birch? I think would have been incredible. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I probably wouldn't be able to tell a difference. I'm, I'm like tone-deaf retarded. Well, there you go. All right, now go into After All the Dead. All right, the second song. I love it. Great song. The only thing I would say is it, it sounds a little too similar. And that's maybe it's the, the placement of the song. But an amazing, great, like, you know, dirgy kind of fucking Sabbath song. And it, this deserves to be on the album. I just think the, the order should have been a little bit different. I think you should have some contrast. And that's what was so great about. Uh, you know, the other Dio albums, you know, you would go into like, you know, Mob Rules was way different than fucking uh, Voodoo, you know, so there was a good mix of light and shade. And to me, this is kind of, once again, sounds too much like uh, computer. I love After the Dead. After all, Slash the Dead. What do you think, Ralph? That song is so fucking epic and awesome. Also, I believe that song's a grower. Because when I first started, I didn't really get it. I didn't hate it. Because, wow. again, the, the placement. Lyric-wise, holy fuck, man. That is one spooky-ass song. But, here's the thing that makes, that separates the Humanizer with every other album Ronnie James Dio has ever been involved in. The Humanizer... He wrote lyrics that you can actually, you don't have to paint pictures with your mind. Because Roddy James Dio is a master of, of like, you know, painting pictures like, you know, ride the tiger. You can see his stripes, but they're always clean. Oh, don't you see what I mean? Fuck no, I don't know what you mean. You know, but here it tells you, what do you say to the dead? Does it, does your, does your, does your spirit lie broken? Does this, what what happens after we die? And then at the end of the song, he explains, we don't know. Because we don't know. It's true. How the fuck do we know what happens after we die? Nobody's come back to tell us, hey, this is what happens when you die. You know? So it, it, it's a great subject matter. It's so doomy and so awesome. I can't say that the first time I heard it, I hated it. I was just a little confused about it. It wasn't until like several listens I thought, this is one badass fucking song with a great, great subject about but, death. You know what I would say to the dead? What? 
Why is Dark Star so fucking long? It's not even that great a song. Dark Star? What, what is that? By the Grateful Dead. Went right over your head. Because I don't like that fucking band, dude. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm not proud that I have this shirt, Ian. But I was, one night at a bar, somebody gave me a shirt. It has Jerry Garcia holding a needle. You know, it's a picture of him, like, instead of the guitar, it's a needle. And it nice. says, and it says, we're grateful you're dead. Oh, wow. Shirt I should give you. <laughs> I like the dead, though. Yeah, it's more yourself. No, I, I, I really, uh, that band, and you know what? I was duped. I bought that album, the one where the skeleton's playing a violin. You ever seen oh, oh, I love Blues for Allah. <laughs> whatever, the, whatever the fuck it's called. Anyway, so uh, I bought that album going, oh man, Grateful Dead. This shit's going to rule. <laughs> I took it home and I was like, what the fuck is this garbage I'm listening to? Grateful Dead really, really, I mean really, really sucks. But then again, I don't know what, what sounds good. Anyway, so... um. Another weird thing about After All the Dead is that uh, they opened the the Dio years when they reunited after Dehumanizer. That was the opening song, and the, which was really odd. Don't you think? I mean, that's like, really, you're going to open a show with this song? It's an awesome song, but right. it's not really a good opener. No, every Dio-era Sabbath show should be like fucking... Neon Knights or Mob Rules. <laughs> and another thing I want to just briefly, this is a little off subject, but it's still about Black Sabbath and Dio, was that that DVD, well, actually I have it now on Blu-ray, live at Radio City Music Hall, yeah. whatever yeah. the fuck it's called. Great, great one. Ah, so you said. I think it's an amazing show. I think they play amazing. But I thought the, the audience just sucked. Now, I brought this up to somebody that was at the show. And, you know, that guy, like, totally, like, tore me a new asshole. And rightfully so, because he was there and I wasn't. I think what happened was whoever the fuck produced that DVD really didn't capture the audience well because they seem lifeless and dead where the band is kicking ass with Lonely is the Word and fucking, uh... Oh, what else did they play that night? Um... Oh, uh, my favorite song off Mob Rules, uh, Falling Off the Edge of the World, yeah. and shit like that. Yet the audience sounds just like dead. Anyway, uh, in that show, they open with After All the Dead, which is fucking weird. Anyway, what's next after that? Uh, the next song is TV Crimes. Yeah, now this should have fucking opened the album, if you ask me. Uh, TV Crimes, man. In my top three on the whole album. I fucking love this song. Uh, I, I love it. I, I think this is the one that comes closest to like a Mob Rules or a Neon Knights. You know, it's not quite as good as those, but it's damn close. I absolutely love TV Crimes. I love the subject matter. I love the riffage. I mean, this one really sticks out on an album where so many songs sound the same. This one is just a punchy fucking rocker. I love TV Crimes. Yeah. I got a three-way tie for a favorite song in this album. And this one, man, is right... It's just... It's so hard to pick between, I'll tell you what, Computer God, this song, and one we're going to talk about later. But I absolutely love TV Crimes. And 
I don't know what people's gripes were about this one. I know this one. I watched your review of it on, on uh, your uh, Black Eternal Idols channel, and you, you kind of were like, "Ah, it's not bad," but uh, I, I'll tell you what. Wow. Like whoa, 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 whoa! You're wrong. Or maybe I gotta go revisit that. I've always loved this song. Yeah, you, you said you liked it, but you're, you're like, I like it, but eh, no, know. man, you're wrong, dude. I can't. What the fuck? Okay. Really? I got. Hey, man. I'm deleting that fucking review then. Because I've right. always loved this song. I've always loved it. Alright, go back and watch your review. Which, by the so. way, it has been banned by YouTube, but you can see it on DailyMotion.com. That's, that's true. I gave it a glowing review. You must be thinking of some other song. Because okay. I, I love TV Crime. And again, straight to the point about Evangelist. Fucking pummeling. Should have opened the album. This is definitely the main contender to open the fucking album. Whoever fucking, you know, maybe, you know, like, uh, whatever, that or uh, that song I don't like, um, uh, Living in a Time Machine. You know, those are like the two upbeat songs that could have opened the album. But I would I would opted for TV Crimes. It's like, this is a song where it's like, we're back. And it was. It was the first uh, a single release for the album. You know, I remember seeing it on Headbangers Ball and fucking loving it. And no, 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 I always loved this song, Ian. You, you definitely, you definitely uh, got it mixed up with some other song I talked about because I've always loved TV Crimes. And uh, all right, I, I just I don't think you uh, you seem that excited about it in the review. I could well, be may, wrong. maybe it's because the rest of the reviews I was touching my dick and I wasn't at that point because my, right. my dick was like sore by that point. It might have been your hemorrhoid acting up. Who knows? No, I wasn't. I didn't have hemorrhoids that day. No, no, no. Okay. No, I wouldn't review Dehumanizer with a hemorrhoid. Okay. Anyway, TV Crimes is fucking epic. It's a great song. Solid. Heavy as fuck. Never hated it. Never thought it was blah. Always thought it was a perfect 10 song. I don't think it's possible for TV Crimes to kick any more ass than it already does. So... TV Crimes is definitely up there as one of my favorites. But I'll tell you this, and I won't say what song it is, but this album may not be my favorite album with Dio, but it does contain my all-time favorite Black Sabbath song with Dio. Is on Dehumanizer. Wow. Yes, my wow. favorite Dio song with Sabbath is on this album. Coming up, I'll say which one it is, and obviously it's my favorite track off the album. But TV Crimes, I yeah. Like you, I'd put it up in my top three. Yeah, fuck yeah. Why not? All right, uh, what's after that? Letters from Earth. Oh, yeah. You go. All right, well, this is one, uh, you know, we both had that same Doom Let Loose book. I haven't read mine in a few years, and unfortunately, it's up in my attic right now. But uh, you turned me on to say, I didn't know it was a song written about, you know, prisoners and stuff like that who had written the Black Sabbath. But now, like, listening to the lyrics, it makes sense. Always love this song. Dark, you know, crushing, you know, just a good, you know, like, kind of fucking Sabbath song. But uh, I, I would say again, it kind of, to me, it sounds too much like Computer God and After All. There's just, I don't know. It kind of all sounds the same. Not that it's bad, but I would like a little bit more diversity. Because that song, I think, was very important on the early Sabbath albums. Well, there was a lot of diversity on those albums. And and to me, this one kind of 
You know, too much shit on this album sounds the same. Not that that's bad, but just I want more. I don't know. I don't know. There, there's something I missed about this whole album that I can't quite put my finger on. And I don't hate the album, but it just doesn't stand out like Mob Rules or Heaven Hell to me. But again, like I said, it, it, it's way better than fucking Devil You Know. That's goddamn sure. The Letters from Earth, good fucking song. I dig it. What do you think, Ralph? Solid 10. Amazing song. Love it. Love it to death. Um, before I read Doom Let Loose, I always had this. You see, here's one of the songs where you can see Dio. I mean, now now that I know what it's about, it makes a little more sense. But still, there's still parts of the song that paint pictures. Like, you know, I'm writing to you with blood on my hands. You know, and shit like that. It's like, what the fuck? But, you know, I, when, before I read the book, I thought it was like, you know, he's on the moon or on another planet and he's receiving letters from the earth, you know? But it's actually, you know, there, it's, it's, yeah, it's fans, fans mail. And uh, I believe Geezer had a little to do this with this lyric wise. Maybe not. No, no, that's the next track. Okay. But, uh, and there is an alternative version on the TV crime CD single, which I own, which is awesome. It has an extra verse, which is badass. And um, what if I give you confusion? What if I give you pain? And let and my favorite part of the song is just that one part where Dio goes, "Letters from Earth." All right. Just the way he says that, it's like, "Come here, come here, let me punch you. Come here, Ian." I love this song. Letters from Earth is badass. I love it. Fucking great. Never played live, unfortunately. Though they played. I'll get to that later. Uh, what's next? Alright, the next one is Master of Insanity. Now, this is one that, that the second one that Geezer brought to the band. This is one he did with the Geezer Butler band that never recorded anything, you know. Shouldn't be confused with GZR or whatever the fuck, you know, the solo albums that he put out later, because this was a band that really did nothing. Uh, they wrote some songs, but didn't put anything out. And I know you were a little hard on this song, but I, I dig it. I like it. it. It is a little bit different. Now, this is something where there is a lot, a little bit of light shade, but to me, it's not exactly what I was looking for. It's a good song, though, but I, I think a mistake made in this album is, is where they, you know, told Dio, like, I don't want no Dungeons and Dragons shit, you know? Because I think this album could have used a little bit of that, you know? There should have been a Lady Evil on here. You know, there should have been a Country Girl on here. And there's not. You know, and, and that's part of what made those first two albums so special. And that's definitely missing on this. Uh, not a bad song, but it does... It sticks out weird, but not in the best way. But it's not horrible either. Like I said, th there's nothing really on here that I hate. Actually, there, yeah, I, yeah. There's nothing that I hate, but there's some that could be better. And this is one of those. It's all right. Was played live. They played it when I saw them. And uh, not bad, but it's not. You know, it doesn't stand up to the classic shit, in my opinion. What do you think? Well, this is a part of my review you remembered well, because I don't like this song. And yes, it was played live. Where shit, I would rather hear Letters from Earth. This song for me, and and. It's a fan favorite for the hardcores. 
you know, the hardcores that love the Humanizer point as this song is one of the best tracks on there. I don't get it, personally. I, I, I don't think it's good. I think this is one of the three songs that if it was eliminated from this album, it could be a great contender to be as good as the other two. But then again, and I'm sure you've seen it too, I've seen a lot of people online point as the Humanizer as the best Black Sabbath album with Dio, and some even say it's the best Black Sabbath album, period. Yeah, well, they're retarded. Well, yeah. But, yeah, and they know how production sounds. No, I didn't mean that, Ian. You see, I can't go a show without insulting you. That's not cool. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I blame fuck you. It. And, fuck you and your hemorrhoid. Yeah, I was about to say I blame that on that on that hemorrhoid that that didn't get me laid that day. But uh, oh my god, it's just I don't know. And yeah, oh you fit. You know, remember that scene in Spinal Tap where uh, they go, oh this song was written by what was the bass player's name again? Uh, Derek St. Holmes. Yeah, Derek, uh, he, no, not St. Holmes, no, that's Ted Nugent, bro. Oh, uh. St. <laughs> Hubbard. Oh, no, 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 sorry, sorry, no, Derek no, Smalls. Derek Smalls, Derek yeah. Smalls. Anyway, uh, when they were doing the Jazz Odyssey. Yeah. yeah. This was, this was written by him and he's doing that bass solo. And that's what, that's what I think about when I hear the beginning of this song. Oh, Geezer wrote this. Boom, do, 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 Which is great. I love the intro. That's the best thing about the song for me. I love that intro. It's awesome. But you were talking about like uh, letters from Earth sounding like computer gods, and after all, I see this song too kind of sound like that, but really falling flat. But then again, man, I mean, a lot of people like this song, so I'm very much in the. I'm I'm I'm, I'm pretty much in the in the in the in the small group with this, but uh, actually. Uh, Shave this song and two other songs off, and it would have been a more solid album. Uh, yeah, I like it better than you, but it's definitely one of the lesser tracks. And then we go into Time Machine, which, uh, you know, again, is another track. I definitely like it better than you, but it's a lesser track. It kind of reminds me of uh, Turn On The Night, which is my least favorite song by far off of... Uh, well, I'd say off the first two Dio albums. Are you crazy? Yeah. Like, you like that one? That was a good impression, right? right? Are you crazy? And you better not hate it, you son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, I while I think Time Machine is better than Turn On The Night, it's still, it, it kind of misses the mark. You think it's better than Turn On The Night? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Turn On The Night. Man, Turn On The Night rules. Yeah, that, that's always one that's like, it, I've warmed up to it over the years. I like it more, but to me, it's still like shouldn't have made. It shouldn't have made mob rules, in my opinion. I remember the first time I heard "Turn On the Nights," I thought, "Wow, they really are doing Neon Nights Part 2, aren't they?" Oh, it's nowhere near. I mean, I know what they were going. No, for. It, it sounds so much. The beginning is identical. Come on, and right, but, and Time Machine too. But even lyrically, it, it's it's like, is this Sabbath or Dockin? It sounded like Dockin before docking, you know. Uh, it should have been Unchained the Night, you know. Never Unchained the Night. I don't know. But anyway, back to Time Machine. Not horrible, but you know, maybe this is uh, we get a chance on radio and this is a, a perfect example of where maybe they should have just let Dio go into some Dungeons and Dragons shit. Maybe it could have saved this. I don't know. Time Machine, it's, it's a little bit corny to me. It's 
but still not horrible. Once again, there's no song I hate, but this is a lesser one. It definitely doesn't enhance the album. What do you think? I think this song sucks. I think if they were going to write a song about Time Machine, they should have taken a time to the past and, and, and fought dragons and shit. You know? Uh, I, I really, I really dislike the song. Even the first time I heard it, I was like, oh man. I, and then I remember, um, when they got back together with Dio, I think it was the Devil You Know tour, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it was some other tour, that they brought it back in the set list and I saw online so many people happy about it. And I was like, really? It's like, you know, and this was another one I suffered through live, uh, when I saw the Dehumanizer tour where... Oh man, there's so many other songs I would have preferred to see, but and again, I'm in the minority. A lot of people did dig this song and Master of Insanity, and and, and the title, Master of Insanity. It's like, oh wow, how clever! Like you know, Master Reality. Why not write a song called Technical Breakfast? <laughs> fuck this song. And fuck Time Machine. You get get back in the time machine and. And go and, 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 and I hope that time she flies up the ass of all you fuckers that like it. Sideways. Wooga! I know you'll like it, because it is a proven fact. If you like Time Machine, you like cock. Hey, it's better than anything on fucking tier. I'll tell you that much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, we're not gonna I'm not gonna go there. I'm not I I left my boxing gloves at, at my boyfriend's house. <laughs> Yet, I don't like Time Machine, okay? Uh, All right. But whatever the fuck is next, I do like. What's next? I'll take it. Just give me the title. All right. I'm going to give you Sins of the Father. Oh, fuck yeah. This one is like one of the best songs ever on here. I love... This is the thing I love about this song. This song is the equivalent of... It's, even though it sounds nothing like the band, but it's like Black Sabbath doing Merciful Fate. They do all these fucking weird changes. It starts happy. It's got like that, I am the man. I can't remember the lyrics now offhand. But it's got that happy kind of riff. And then it goes into this total doom thing. And then it goes real fast. It's all over the place. Makes sense. It's like a jigsaw puzzle that when you fucking put it all together, it's a big, juicy, wet vagina you just want to lick for eternity. So I love Sins of a Father. For the longest time, I thought it was, you know, another one of those, you know, you know, you know the reason Ian hates Christianity is because what a father did to what a preacher did to him. But it turns out it's not about that. It's about an actual real father that fucked up and then he raised a kid that grew up being fucked up, you know. And that's nothing like Ian because Ian grew up fucked up, but his son grew up a hero. It's like the total opposite. It's amazing. How'd you do that? It's usually the kid that fucks up and the dad does good. How did you flip-flop that, Ian? I gotta uh, write a song about that. I jumped in a time machine. I'm gonna write a song. <laughs> I'm writing a song called Sins of the Drunk Tart. Dedicated to your son. <laughs> oh, good lord. Alright, but I love Sins of the Father. Uh, again, never played live. Should have been played live. It's such a great fucking song. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. One of my favorites on here. So this one, yeah, it's not in my top three because I don't like it as much as Computer God or TV Crimes. And yeah, yeah. 
You know, it's not as good as the computer uh, computer guide. You're right. You're right. I, I, I shouldn't say it's better than that. But I do like this song, and you brought up a very good point that it does. It sounds very different with that intro, and uh, different for Sabbath, but it's it's still good. I mean, there's and it's like okay, this is Sabbath. You know, it gets into that heavier part. It gets in the rip. Like, okay, it's all making sense, and it's a great song. Really good, you know. Not my top three, but probably uh, definitely my top five for the album. I'll say that. I dig "Sins of the Father." Great song. Yeah, I think what what they it was a conscious effort to go in. And even Dio said this when he was interviewed on during Headband and Ball for this album. They they did a conscious effort to go in there and not make like Heaven and Hell Part Two. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I want to say I think that's a cop out. Because it's easy to say, oh, we didn't want to go in there and do the same thing. Because I don't think they could. I don't think they had it in them at that point to do an album that good. So it's easy to say, like, oh, we consciously don't want to do an album that great. <laughs> you know? I, I really don't. I, I don't think they could have recaptured that magic at that point. Had they stayed together after Mob Rules? Yes. Because if you listen to how awesome Holy Diver is, how awesome Born Again is, then they could have done it. But by the point they did this, I don't think either one of them, you know, be it Dio or, or Iomi, had the machismo going that made those albums. So I think that's kind of a cop-out. Well, I mean, I, I, I honestly think this is, a, aside from three albums, three songs, this is an amazing album. I thought that they did have a lot of machismo. No, no hemorrhoids. They were just kicking ass on all cylinders. Uh, other than those three songs I just said. Uh, all right, well, let, let me ask you this, though. Point blank. Aside from the three songs you really don't care for, the stuff that you really do love off of this, do you think it's as good as the Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules material? No, except for one song. That okay. I, that I think's even better. But here's my point. Uh, I, I agree with you. They don't have that same fire of Holy Diver and Born Again. What they were like firing on that, and Eternal Idols too. You know, if you ask me, I even like Eternal Idols more. But my point is, is that they were. I, I really do feel like okay, all right, all right. Obviously, they. Oh, 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 hold on. You like Eternal Idol more than this album? Yes. Wow. Okay. And okay. Uh, uh, what do you call? It? So, um, actually, to me, I don't think. Black Sabbath has done any album as good as Eternal Idol after Eternal Idol. Well, okay. well, if you were to pick one, what would be the best album after Born Again? This. I thought you would say that. Most people would. But my point is, look, I do think that Dio was being honest. And maybe, I, I don't, you know, come on, man. They're, they're not going to go, hey, guys, we're never going to do anything as good as the first two albums. So let's do something completely different. I really do honestly believe they went into the studio saying, "Come on, guys, let's get current. Let's don't. Let's not do the same old bullshit because nobody likes that anymore. Let's try to do something current. Let's be more futuristic. Let me not sing about dragons. I I think, dude, Ronnie James Dio is not one to take directions. All right. So I don't think anybody told them, do not sing songs about. Dungeons well, and Dragons. No, 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 no. It's on record that, that Tony said that to him. And Dio agreed to it. 
But I, I think it's because neither one of them were in a position to complain because at that point, the Dungeons & Dragons wasn't doing Dio any favors. It fell out of flavor. All right, what's next? Next is Too Late. All right. All right. Uh, too Late to me, it's a good song. Not horrible, but it's not the epic of the past. You know, it's not a heaven and hell. It's not a lonely as the world word. It's not a falling off the edge of the word world, not an over and over. I think it's trying to be that. I think it's trying to be that, like, epic, you know, song, you know, a ballad, but yet heavy as fuck. It's a good song, but to me, this is where they do try to repeat the past, and they fail, not miserably, but because the bar was set so high, uh, they don't hit it. To me, this is an obvious nod at those albums, and it doesn't come anywhere near. It's a total swing and a miss. Even though I do like the song, uh, I I love Too Late. I mean, yeah, I will agree with you. It's not as good as uh, Lonely as the Word and Over and Over and whatever the fuck else you mentioned. Yeah, I don't think it's it's up to par as good as those songs. But like you know, those older Black Sabbath songs is like a chick that can suck your dick and make you come. Where Over and Over will suck your dick, you won't come. But goddamn, it still feels really good. And looking down and looking at over and over, suck your dick. They're doing porn star shit, flicking it around, licking the balls, licking the ass, and going back up. You're not coming, but it's a good show. I love over and over. I mean, well, I love it. No, over and over makes me come. Especially yeah. that, especially the guitar solo part. But, oh, yeah. But Too Late is great because um, also the lyrics are so fucking dark. The, you know, you listen to lyrics and... The lyrics is, you're dead. You're dead and you're in hell. And you're burning in hell for eternity. Welcome to eternity. Welcome to forever. It's too late. There's, you know, it says in it, like, you know, I believe your name, but it's too late. You know, you should have, like, you know, accepted Christ. And you know, Dio, he wasn't into that shit. But again, it's, it's his way of, like, again, it's a song that makes sense. He's not painting pictures. It's too late. You're dead, and you're suffering now. Judgment Day came. You're in hell, and it's dark as fuck. And welcome to forever. Welcome. You know, it's too late for tears. It's. Just, I just love the fuck out of it. If anything, I think this, this is the most underrated track on the album. This is the one that not many people like, or, you know, like you. You like it, but yeah, you know, I like it. But it's all right, whatever. What's next, you know? To me, I, it's it's really great, dude. It just it just well, there, doesn't make me come. No, exactly, and that's what I'm saying. There is no song on this album, none at all, that I hate. One thing that I'll say is lacking on here is the solos. I think the riffage is there. There is some amazing riffs, but there there isn't that like solo moment. Like to me, I mean, I mean, as much as yes, the greatest is the Ozzy era. It's the greatest. But, man, the solo that he did on those first two Dio albums, I believe, is his best soloing of his career. How about that solo in Trad? That's a great one, too. But Fuck. To, 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 to me, the, the greatest Iommi solo of all time is Lonely is the Word. And there is no song on here that has that kind of epic soloing. The, the riffs are there, but the soloing is not. 
And that's that's another one of the things that I think is missing from this song. I mean, it's a good solo, but it's not it's it, it's not like make you come. You know what I, I I love about this song is that um uh the beginning has that almost like a die young type feel, that little ambiance keyboardish type thing, and you hear Tony Iommi's guitar in the background going. I, th- I believe it repeats at the end as well. How does it sound? Okay, I just want to hear that again. <laughs> you homo. <laughs> You know that's the same noise that that's the same that's the same noise that girl made in my house when I told her I had a hemorrhoid. It's the same noise, and then when she was running away, it was just like the intro. I heard it like faded away. So fuck you, too late rules. What's next? All right, the next song is the one I know we've been dying to talk about. And I'm going to let you take this because I know how much it means to you. And that is I. I is the greatest song Black Sabbath's ever done with Ronnie James Dio. In my opinion, it is just pure perfection. And Ronnie James Dio also very much loves this song. Uh, there's an interview on YouTube where he he really does love He talks so good about this song. And it was one of his last interviews. I, th- I believe it was his very last interview. I could be wrong, but his last interview, if you type it in... It's an interview he does sitting with Vinny Applesauce, and he brings up how I is like his favorite song to sing live, and, or one of his favorite songs, something like that. This song, to me, it matches the greatness of the first two Dio albums of Sabbath. It's the standout track. Kind of weird how they placed it all the way towards toward the end. You know, that's, yeah. that's a song that should have been like track four or something, you know? We should do we should do what the track listing should be at the end of the show. <laughs> Fuck that, I'm too drunk for that shit. Alright, anyway, so oh my god. And you know the the I've never I didn't read this in Doom Let Loose or anything, but in my opinion, uh, the lyrics to this song is about the satanic Bible. I feel it's about the satanic Bible. Because I have read the satanic Bible and there's a lot of things that Dio says in the song that reflects what Anton LaVey was trying to express in the religion he was trying to kick off. You know, like, you know, worship yourself. You're everything. I'm a monster. I'm a whore. You know, I'll bash it. I love, and those lyrics, like, I'll bash your face in, but with a smile. All together, there's no one stronger than me. How cool is that? And that's fucking Dio, bro. And that's Dio being vicious. I think that's Dio at his most vicious, lyrically. Uh, just total cutthroat, and I'm just going to kick your fucking ass and re- and make you feel so bad that this little guy just fucking pummeled you in a pool of blood. I is the best fucking Black Sabbath song, which features Ronnie James Dio on vocals. Eww. <laughs> All right, well, I love this song. I, uh, not to be confused with that uh, Dare commercial that Kiss put out on The Elder, 
but uh, I love this song. But it's awesome how it's, you know, everything's to interpretation. You know, you think it, it reminds you of the Satanic Bible and Anton LaVey, where I thought this was total L. Ron Hubbard and Dianetics. But it is an amazing track. And Dio said, he did, I did see an interview where Dio said that he wrote these lyrics, they were about him. This is totally how he felt at the time. And I think it was kind of like a little reaffirming of yourself and pat yourself on the back like, I am going to do this. You know, this is me. I have the tenacity, the balls. I am going to do this. I am fucking Ronnie James Dio and nobody can stop me. And I love it. Do I think it's the best thing they ever did with, uh, you know, Sam ever did with Dio? No. But I love it. I love it. But to me, there, there's no way this song tops Neon Nights or Die Young or Heaven and Hell or fucking Mob Rules, you know. But I mean, I mean, but I mean, those, that shit, those are all 10 star fucking songs. And this is like a nine and a half. I love it, dude. I, I love this fucking song. I, I I didn't know that Dio said it was about him, and now you mention it. Yeah, it really does fit the man well. Yeah. Yeah, no, he said this was very much his attitude at the time. And it kind of makes sense because, you know, he's in a dark place here. I mean, you know, the whole shit, you know, look, look at how he built his career. And then it started to falter. And now he's kind of going backwards for the first time. He's going to Sabbath. They both need each other. But he has to pump himself up that I can do this. I can get back with Sabbath and I can get back on top. And he has to have that. He has to have that tenacity. And not only that, but at the same time he's being told, like, don't you sing about dragons and don't you do this. But he knows he's got to eat a little bit of crow, but he's going to do it and he's going to come out on top. And, and man, you can feel that anger and that passion in his delivery in this song. It is incredible. It is incredible. Like We all agree. Uh, three-way tie. The three best songs on this, Computer God, TV Crimes, and I. An absolute amazing song. Sounded amazing live. I saw this tour uh, the same as you. I saw it at the best venue in the entire world, the Aragon Ballroom or Brawl Room in Chicago. Danzig opened up on the Danzig 3 tour. It was my first time seeing Sabbath. My first time seeing Dio. Oh my god. It was it was godlike. It was like, man, I was in the presence of the metal gods. And it, at this time they were still doing, you know, because they weren't touring as Heaven and Hell. They were still touring as Sabbath. So they did War Pigs. You know, they did some Black Sabbath standards. You know, and they also did these songs. And, uh, Man, what a great show, and I remember this song sounded so amazing live. I mean, this just begs to be played, and the emotion that comes from Dio when he sings this. Incredible. It, it is an amazing song, but I, I think there's others that are better, but I, I'll tell you what, in hindsight, looking at this album, this might be the best one. But man, I love TV Crimes and Computer God, but I is just unstoppable and pounding. You know, you know, the last time I saw them, the last time I saw the late Ronnie James Dio was uh, Heaven and Hell, Alice Cooper, and... Uh, yeah, at Queensryche. I was at that show. Yeah, I was at that show. Man, one thing, and the thing that sticks out the most of that show for me during the Black Sabbath performance 
was when he played I. There's a part in the song where he does this fucking killer, kick-ass fucking stomping walk from one side of the stage to the other, singing the lyrics to I. It was just so badass, dude. It was like, I remember seeing that live, and I'm like, look at this guy, man. This guy, I mean, I, I get chills just thinking about it, because I remember when I was watching it, there's this girl, I'm still friends with her. Uh, she's never given me her pussy, though. And you know what? I've known her since 83, and I still want to fuck her. I told her that on Christmas. Uh, we're recording this a couple days after Christmas. I said, come on, for Christmas, fuck me. And she said, yo, you're so adorable. I go, adorable these nuts, bitch. Anyway, during that part, when he's like, I think that was the part where he's like, I'm a monster. I'm a whore. And he's prancing across the stage doing this shit. She fucking turns to me and like hits me. And she goes, my God, he's so amazing. I'm like, fuck yeah, man. That's fucking Ronnie James Dio, man. The man. Holy fuck, do I miss that guy, dude. You know how horrible it is? You know, you, you do you realize, Dean, now that it's almost 2016, oh, this will be aired on 2016, we would have, like, maybe three newer Dio albums, dude. You know? Oh, oh, you ain't got to tell me. I mean, I'm the guy. I went and got Dio tattooed on my arm, dude. I got, you know, in the date when he was born and when he died. I mean, I, I love writing James Dio. And it's amazing that you and me both... We saw him for the last time together, even though we didn't know each other. And and here we are on the best podcast in the world. That's awesome, uh, yeah. You know, no, yeah. and also, it's it's also a good thing, because I got to enjoy the show without some moron spilling beer on me. Yeah, that would have been me. Yeah, that so it's me. good we didn't know each other at that time. <laughs> but, uh, no. But then again, I have a good a better chance fucking you than the stupid girl I've known for 30-somewhat years. I don't know. Some people play hard to get. I play hard to want. Oh, you never know. Maybe one day I'll fuck you. Maybe one day I'll leave the show. But I'm peeing. Thank you. Yeah. You already... <laughs> You like that one, huh? That was funny. That was one that got you like three seconds later. You're like, yeah, but... Uh... <laughs> that was funny. All right. We're not done with the album, are we? Uh, we should be, but we're not. Yeah, we should be because it's too fucking long. And I blame Hysteria from Def Leppard. Because after they released that turd in the punch bowl, all bands were doing these really long fucking albums, man. Albums should be short. Van Halen, fair warning. What's wrong with that album? It's only 30 seconds, 30 minutes long. I, I don't blame it on that. I mean, there is only 10 songs. I just blame it on there should have been 10 songs worth being on the album. And the last one, I don't think falls in that category. I think it's definitely the least... Uh, my least favorite on the album and again I don't hate it but it shouldn't have made the album and definitely should not have closed it. I would rather I close the album than Buried Alive um, it's again not horrible but to me it's filler and it's a horrible closer what do you think total clunker useless I believe they borrowed they, they rehashed the was it Zero the Hero I know there's something on that song that sounds like something that Sabbath already did already. There's a riff on there. It's not good, man. It's just not a good song. I don't like the song. Like I said, there's three songs that should have been eliminated from this album. Uh, Time Machine, Master of Insanity, and this one. If you take these three out, 
would have been a great solid album in my opinion but then there's people that love buried alive so you know what do i know who loves buried alive i've seen people say it online okay but uh i'm not a fan of this album and then like you know they they put tv crimes on again no i'm sorry uh time machine on again the wayne's world version like what's up with that really it's like yeah but like you mentioned in the previous episode in the late 80s and early 90s that was a thing on cds you would have that bonus track and it is what it is i don't like cds that bring the same track twice how about cds nuts yeah i like those they they'll, they'll, they'll don't bring a uh, same track twice because once you see these nuts you're done <laughs> I couldn't see the nuts for the hemorrhoids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that looked like a nut. It looked like bigger than a nut. You look like ET, the extra testicle. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, well, that's what we think about this great album that kind of limped into the finish line. Alright, well, one thing we got into earlier was the whole Vinnie Applesauce and, and Cozy Powell debacle at the beginning of but what we didn't talk about is how long the writing process went on for this album how troubled it was and at one point Dio left and Ralph do you know who came in yeah Tony Martin poor guy man yes that's right Tony Martin was asked to come back in because they were just button heads and I think it was probably an ego thing you know, I think, you know, Dio probably came back with a little bit, you know, butthurt because his solo career is not doing good. But the last time that Sabbath really did good was when he's in there. So maybe he had a little bit of an ego. Maybe Tony couldn't handle that. Maybe the songs weren't coming as easily as they did in the past. But they did split for a while, and Tony Martin came back in, who was in the middle of doing his first solo album. But, uh, you know, he's smart enough to know where his bread's buttered, and he came back in. But then shortly after that, you know, and that might have been just to piss off Dio and to, you know, scare him into coming back, because he did. And uh, I haven't heard, I've heard demos for this album with Cozy Powell, but I haven't heard any recordings with with Tony Martin singing, have you, Ralph? No, but they do exist. So, I mean, to me, Tony Martin could be the nicest guy in the world. You know, it doesn't have a horrible voice, but to me, sounds way too much like Dio. And, you know, just doesn't have, you know, the chutzpah to replace fucking Dio or Ozzy. Or, well, nobody can replace Ozzy. And nobody can replace Dio or Ian Gillen. You know, uh, you know, he's not a Glenn Hughes even. I mean, he's just, to me, very, it's like uh, Tony Harnell fronting uh, Skid Row. You know, it's like, it, it ain't going to happen, folks. Give it up. You know, you can't do it. You have to have a star fronting this band that commands respect and, and and is an equal contributor. Even though I mean, say what you want about Ozzy not writing the lyrics and everything, Ozzy's presence is star enough. Melody. There you go with your melody. But you know what I mean? You just need that something that Tony Martin never had. And, and that's... You know, and that is a tough order to ask for. You know, he just doesn't have it. But uh, my problem, you know, look, look, this is what I think. Because I did see 
Black Sabbath with Tony Martin. Did you see the Cross Purposes tour? Motorhead. No, I never, never saw him with Tony Martin. All right, I saw him with Tony Martin. It was uh, Motorhead and Morbid Angel. And look, I, I will admit, Tony Martin is not a star. He did not like command the stage, and I and I blame that a lot on him coming in when he came in. Like, if Tony Martin was on a hit album. That would have helped him a whole lot more. But unfortunately, he didn't have that, you know, epic songs behind him. His voice was not as, uh, you know, respected and noticed as all the other Sabbath singers. You know, including Glenn Hughes, that's pretty much uh, a footnote, really, you know, in Black well, Sabbath. Wouldn't you agree that he sounds too much like a Dio clone? In a way, yes. But you know what? It does have its own personality as well. Uh, I, I think a lot of people sound like Dio, and you know, um, look that Jorn guy. There's a, you know a lot of power metal singers. He's no different. Because Dio's style of singing has been emulated by thousands of singers. I can bring up a million bands that have bands that sound that are similar, just like Tony Martin. One thing I do want to say about Tony Martin is that. Yeah, he does have a texture of Dio in his voice, but then there's songs that that guy sings that to me, I, I you know, uh, like Nightwing. Nightwing, it sounds, I know it sounds crazy, but it's one of the greatest vocal performances I've ever heard in my life. And uh, it's got the texture of Dio, but not, Dio wouldn't sing a song like that. Dio couldn't emulate a song like Nightwing. But then again, Tony Martin can't emulate a song like uh, lonely is the word, or you know, I mean, I'm not, of course, I'm not saying Tony Martin is better than Ronnie James Dio, but I feel like there's things Tony Martin can do that Dio can't do, and vice versa. So I, well, I, I wouldn't say he's, I wouldn't say he's like the Filipino guy in Journey. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I would, I would say he's like the Filipino guy in Journey. I'd say he's like Adam Lambert in Queen. It's just, you know. Alright. Fair enough. I just see That's there fair. there is a difference, but I think what makes uh, Tony Martin sound a lot like Dio too is that the music that Black Sabbath did with Tony Martin sounded a lot like the Dio era stuff. It didn't well, sound like Born Again. All right. Well, we've been going on and on on this one and plenty of hemorrhoidal uh, detours. What do you say we get into pick of the week? No, yeah, you go ahead. All right, my pick of week band I've definitely talked about before, and I'm gonna keep bringing it up until fucking some more people acknowledge their fucking greatness, and that is Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats. I played one of their songs the other day, uh, "Gonna Kill You," something like that. Uh, yeah, uh, off of uh, Bloodlust. I I played that on my radio show the other day. Uh, I'm going with their first album, which. You know, I'm telling people to go out and get it, but you can't get it because it's out of print. But you can definitely check it out on YouTube. And that's Volume 1. Absolutely amazing. I think this is the best band by far to come out in the last 10 years. Uh, them and Orchid. But uh, I love Orchid, boy. Uh, see, that, glad, that's a great fucking band. I'm glad you acknowledge that. A lot of people say they're too much like Sabbath, and I'm like, I, I don't care. I think they're fucking amazing. I, I, I think they are, but they do it right. Oh, they they absolutely do it right. 
And Uncle Acid is Black Sabbath meets the Beatles with some very lo-fi production. And I, it, hey, it's an acquired taste. A lot of people, when you hear it initially, they don't get it, and that's all right. But man, give it some repeated listens. This shit is fucking amazing. Uh, 2015, my favorite album of the year was The Night Creeper. Absolutely love it. And uh, check out the first one. Go on YouTube, check it out. Uh, you can download it or you can fucking top dollar for an original copy. But Uncle Ass and the Dead Beats Volume 1, that is my pick of the week. My pick of the week is actually not uh, a CD. It's actually like a, a box set. It's like a little box set that you can get online, I'm sure, still. It's something that Metal Blade put out. It's a, a really underrated band. A lot of you thrashers might remember called Hallow's Eve. Yeah, yeah. They released a box set uh, called History of Terror, which features all three of their albums because they only released three albums. And it also brings a cool DVD with videos and live shit. Hallow's Eve is fucking awesome. You know, Thrash or Die covered a, a Speed Freak. Which they're uh, a they're uh, a Florida band, right? No, oh, uh, no, they're not. I can't remember where they're from, but they're definitely not from Florida. Oh, okay. um, but. Uh, yeah, it's called History of Terror, Hallow's Eve. They're awesome, uh, and I can you know I can tell you right that the, the the three albums they had was um, oh man, forget it. Don't talk to me, dude. I got a hemorrhoid, I guess, in my brain. But El Tales of Terror, uh, Death and Insanity, and Monument. Death and Insanity is my favorite. I love that. Death, Death and yeah, all three are great, dude, and. Uh, what do you call? And and this was a band that did progress. You know, they started off like a raw thrash band. Death and Insanity was a little more commercialish, but still had that heavy fucking. You know, it's funny because that one sounds a little more crisp and clean than the first one, but the songs were a little more a little more mature, but still had that thrash edge. And then Monument was kind of like you know that they. It's like they, they really progressed on that one. And the opening track on that album is a song called Speed Freak, which uh, we did, Thrash and I did cover. And uh, we're going to go and do finishing touches because I'm not proud of my vocals on like three, four lines, and I think it needs a guitar solo. But it will be released as a free download because I don't believe in uh, adding cover songs on, on my record because I don't believe in getting sued. Hallow's Eve, a History of Terror, the box set. Don't don't get one of their CDs. All three CDs are excellent. And plus, you get demos and a DVD. So that's my pick of the week. Hallow's Eve, History of Terror, off Metal Play Records. Good pick. All right, now we go into Fan of the Week. And Fan of the Week this week is Stephen Gear or Guy. I know that guy. That guy's cool as fuck. Yeah, I tell you what, he's very active on the page, and that's what we asked. And this motherfucker posts like crazy, and he always posts some cool, cool shit. So, brother, enjoy your week, Stephen Gear, Geyer, whatever the fuck your name is. You know who you are, and we know who you are. So, you are our fan of the week. Thank you. All right. All right, so now we got to go into the shit we always talk about. Make sure you check us out on Podbean. If you go on Podbean, I had to change how many episodes are on that front page that you see. But if you scroll down to the very bottom, 
you can't see the link because they won't let me change the, the text of what it says, but there's a link to go to the next page, but it's almost invisible to see. But it is at the bottom. You can go to that and see older episodes. And if you're on iTunes, don't worry about it. You don't have to, This is just for people who go on Podbean. But check us out there. Check us out on iTunes. If you go on iTunes, please leave a fucking review. Uh, also, you can hear us on that metal station twice a week. Sundays at noon Eastern and Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Also, if you're on that metal station, check out the Dr. Fuck show. You can hear twice a week, and it always immediately follows our show. That's me. Uh, that's him, man. Check it out. That show's been getting some amazing ratings. Check it out, because it is incredible. Also, while you're on that metal station, check out the Mike Tyler show. He has one on Tuesdays and one on Fridays. Go to that metal station for time and listings. It's an incredible show. And check out all the shit on that metal station. And thank you, Scott Green, the only internet station that has the balls to play us uncensored. Unlike that old one we used to be on. Uh, let's see. Check out the YouTube page. If you go on the Podbean page, there's links on the right-hand side to all this shit. Check out the YouTube page. Check out the Thrasher Die page. The combat page. Let's talk about some other shows that we like that support us as well. That's the Decibel Geek Podcast. Check that out. Check out the great Victor Ruiz and Mars Attacks Podcast. And check out his site Ear Peeler. Check out Barbarian Rage. Check out The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Uh, History Science Theater. Uh, let's see. who. Uh, check out Iron Cast. Um, and also check out this one right now that I don't even have to talk about because we have a commercial. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast, the Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. All right, well, if you enjoyed this hemorrhoid-filled episode, and I know you did, come back next week when our special guest is action star Jackie Chan. I knew that guy was going to buckle and do our show eventually. Oh, yeah. It took a lot of begging and pleading, but Jackie Chan's going to show up here to talk about loudness, thunder in the east. And if you think that's racist... It's not, because he's Chinese and they're Japanese. Ah. They're, there's a difference, you racist bastards. I thought, it was, I thought it was very racist when you wanted Abe Vigoda to, to review a Van Halen album, since they're both uh, you know American from America. Yeah, it happens. But that's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Van Halen didn't come from Holland, that's a myth.